Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, my friend, are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, folks, here we go again. We got to deal with the issue of divorce and remarriage. Scripture is unanimous that if your first covenant spouse is still alive, and you have divorced them, and now you have remarried another person, Jesus says you commit adultery. In the eyes of God, you and her or him are still married. This is the one flesh union. That covenant vow is not fulfilled until either one of the partner partners die that scripture and we have many self self professing christians in adulterous remarriages under the understanding albeit wrong that because of adultery, because of drug use, because of domestic violence, because of abandonment, they are free and clear to remarry. The tragedy of it all is that we get this teaching not from the Holy Spirit, but from pastors, bishops, bishops, other brethren, who confirms that Jesus said, if that person commits adultery, you can remarry. Is that what Jesus said? Is that what he meant? Because we know scriptures are twisted into pretzels on the regular. Therefore, many messengers of Jesus are coming on these platforms 
YouTube, Instagram, podcast, Facebook. Crying aloud and sparing not with when it comes to this teaching. Because people in their humanism want to say, well, Jesus wants me to be happy. I wasn't happy in that first marriage. The pastor even remarried me. So it must be okay. People have a lot of reasons for remarrying. My hand is raised. You all know my backstory. I was married three times. Twice after my first spouse. So I too was led astray. Not to mention in sin. Not to mention that because I did not study the word of God for myself to get this sound teaching. Be right, Holy Spirit. This teaching is not new. (laughs) Jesus taught this over 2,000 years ago. Glory to his name that he is raising up messengers to teach this lesson in scriptural accuracy because there are a lot of people both sinners and saints this applies to all of humanity when you make a vow of marriage in the sight of holy god that marriage is until death do you part Any other reason you depart, you commit adultery when you remarry. So, buckle up. We got a ton of scripture to go through today because me personally, I am meeting more and more sweet, precious people in the Lord who are in second marriages third marriages on both sides and when you bring this correction they are shell shocked some are in abject denial and rejection of it some give heed some give thought some have made vast changes Why? Because they are serious about going to heaven. They are serious knowing that God ain't playing with this lake of fire. They are not trying to miss heaven over another flesh. So, folks, folks, we must take this serious. Listen, one of the biggest defense that I'm hearing is that, well, I've repented. God has forgiven me. Okay. But guess what? What comes with repentance? What comes from receiving the goodness of God's grace of forgiveness? You got to come out of that sin. 
It don't matter what the sin is, whether it be homosexuality, whether it be fornication, whether it be lying and stealing, whether it be murder, whether it be sorcery, and in this case, adultery. You gots to come out just because you have now remarried and your first spouse is still alive and you say, well, I went to Jesus, I begged for forgiveness, and he forgave me. Okay, you got to come out of that marriage. You don't get to stay in it. No more so does anyone who is in sin. They can't stay in their sin, and you agree with that. You agree that if a rapist confessed to the Lord... Get that sin forgiven. You and I both know that he or she cannot continue to rape. You know this. So what what makes you think it's different in your case? You too has to come out of that adulterous remarriage. It is sin. Yes, the Lord has forgiven you. So now what you must do is sit with the Lord and ask for wisdom and a strategy to come out to untangle yourself from this sin. Because some people are in these remarriages for the long haul. 10 years, 15 years, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And for them, it is ridiculous that after all this time, they have to leave their spouse. It doesn't make sense to them. And this is where you get the kicking and the screaming. This vow, this covenant applies to all of humanity, whether you are in Christ or not. Because the secular world remarry one another on the daily. And when we look to the world for values, we will be led astray. So folks, like I said, buckle up. We are going to crack open up the Bible again by the grace of God that we get wisdom, that we get understanding because beloved at the end of the day, two things are paramount. One, Jesus said, you cannot love anyone more than you love him. Number two. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 tells us no adulterer will inherit the kingdom of God. That should be your only thought. Not about what you're going to do with the house now. What you're going to do with the finances now. What you're going to do with the whole time. You have been with that spouse. That should not be your concern. Not if you are serious. And I believe you are serious about meeting the living God. And not be judged. Because you did not want to leave someone you claimed. Obviously 
you loved more than Jesus Christ. Folks, listen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let me help you out here. It doesn't matter how many good works you do in the Lord if you die in the sin of adultery. So what you do Bible study classes? So what you you read the Bible? So what you go to church every week? So what you feed the homeless? So what you you hit these streets and preach the gospel? So what? So what? As long as you are in willful, blatant, knowing sin, you are not going to make it. So, it don't matter how many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches you give to the poor. If you die in sin, you will go straight to hell. So, let us pray. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, we thank you for wisdom. We thank you that we have your word. It tells us all scripture is God breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage. Why? Why is your word, Father, so profitable for us? So that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that's 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. So, Father, we absolutely need your word. Father, I ask for wisdom and discernment to teach today's lesson by your grace. May the Holy Spirit move on me, illuminate my mind to see the deep, things in your word. Father, I want to learn. I'm constantly looking to learn from you, from the Lord Jesus Christ, allowing the Holy Spirit to teach me your word. Bless your holy name, Father. We give you thanks through Christ. We give you honor and glory. Let Everyone who breathes say, praise the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. So, folks, listen. Let me move this mic up a little bit. In a nutshell, divorce plus remarriage equals adultery. If the spouse of your youth is still alive and you've remarried, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ said you commit adultery. Many 
Christians are on their way to hell if they do not repent. And this is for the sinner as well. If they do not repent and come out of these adulterous remarriages, you die in this sin, you will go straight to a burning hell as you await final judgment. Because the problem is leaders leaders in the church are not preaching this lesson in its accuracy. You want to know why? Because many of them are in second and third and fourth remarriages themselves. So there is no conviction. There will be no teaching. There will be no correction. They are marrying divorced people with living spouses. Folks, beloved, whether you want to hear this or not, Matthew 19.9 does not give us permission to be remarried because of adultery. And we are going to be looking at Matthew 19.9 in its full context. Listen, let, let me just point this out, okay? That word in Matthew 19.9, that word sexual immorality is translated from the Greek, which means porneia. Porneia means fornication. In context, Jesus is clearly speaking to all of these men who over there in Matthew 19.9, speaking to all these men who were giving these women a writ of divorce so they can marry someone else. Friends, I have done by the grace of God and the prompting and leading of the Holy Spirit on this podcast, I have done numerous teachings in various different ways to get the point across. If you divorce your first spouse, and remarry someone else while your first spouse is alive and this goes for both women and men you commit adultery and we're going to get into all of that this topic has been so muddled and twisted and manipulated people are shell-shocked to find out the truth once and for all where Jesus stood on divorce and remarry. That if you are divorced, I'm, I'm saying it again, okay? Because the message obviously is not getting through. A lot of people may be new to the podcast. And so for them, this is new information that needs to be repeated often. So listen, if you are divorced and remarry while your first covenant spouse, that first person, numeral uno, if he or she is alive, is, is alive and you have remarried, every single time you lay with your new spouse, 
you commit adultery. Because folks, listen, eternity is forever. And I thank God for correction. And I thank him for grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you laid down your life and you was buried. And God raised you from the dead. Thank you, Lord, for your, resurrec- for your resurrection. May God continue to have mercy on us all. Listen, study Matthew 19:9, Mark 10, 1 through 2, Luke 16 to 18, Romans 7, 1 through 3, and 1 Corinthians, all of chapter 7. Because we're going to talk about chapter 7 as well. So here's the teaching. Okay. Many people, many people believe that if your spouse committed adultery while y'all was married, you are free and clear to remarry. This is a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus Christ has clearly taught us that divorce and remarrying another person when you have a living spouse, a covenant spouse, is adultery. Listen to his teachings. Mark 10, 1 through 12 teaches that what God has joined together through matrimony and the one flesh union let no man put asunder. Amen. Matthew 5.32 says, But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, not adultery, that's a different sexual sin, people. Fornication causes her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committed adultery. Amen. So let let us get to Matthew 19:9 because Jesus teaches that if a man or a woman divorces and marries another, you commit adultery. And why is it that he say you commit adultery when you've gone down to the court? the courts and you got a divorce because the laws of the land say you can't remarry unless you divorce your previous spouse and they don't care what the reason is as long as it lines up with their man-made guidelines they will stamp it all day long But what did God say? Because folks, listen, at the end of the day, God's word will always stand, never to be corrected. In his eyes, if you marry in the eyes of God, whose eyes only matter, you are married for life. The Bible teaches that that is called the one flesh union. So let us get to Matthew 19.9. Because, right, I was saying, why did Jesus 
calls it adultery. Because listen, we have to understand text. Fornication and adultery. They all come under sexual immorality, right? We know fornication is having sex when you are not married to the person. Namely, if you are single and you are having sex without being married, well, that's fornication. Adultery, on the other hand, is when you are married and you cheat on your spouse by having sex with another person. That's adultery. So, in Matthew 19.9, because I want to read from verse 1 through 12, but let me give you a quick summary about this word fornication, because Jesus gave the exception. He said, except it be for fornication. He did not say, except it be for adultery, except it be for domestic violence, except it be that your your spouse is a crackhead, a dope pusher, or he's he's in jail doing life. He said, except it be for fornication. In Jewish, in in, in, in Jesus' day, right? In Jewish culture, in their custom, when you become engaged, it is being married. The, the fiancé, I don't know why I couldn't think of the word, gave his fiancé's family a diary, right? And all intents and purposes, they are married. Only thing that is left out is the actual consummation. But for all purposes, you are married to that person, right? So we can look at Jesus' earthly parents, Mary and Joseph. They were betrothed. They were engaged to be married, right? Being betrothed to someone, especially in Jewish custom, because Jesus was speaking to Jews. And they understood what being betrothed was. In order to call it off, you actually needed to get a divorce. Because being engaged is just as firm as being married. So Mary and Joseph, they were engaged. When jo when Mary came back from visiting with her cousin Elizabeth, she came back pregnant. Read that story. We all know how Mary as a virgin, virgin conceived. She was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Joseph at the time did not know this. So when his fiance returns back from out of town and turns up pregnant, any human being would rationalize that she had sex. Because even married asked a very logical question when the angel told her 
that she will become pregnant. And she said, how could that be? I know not a man. And the angel explained it to her because human thinking, the way our body works, the only way you can have a baby is to have sex. So she comes back pregnant. Joseph's first instant was she cheated on me. How how else would a woman turns up pregnant? I never had sex with her. And he thought to himself to put her away quietly, to divorce her quietly until the angel came to Joseph and explained to him what had happened. But he was looking to divorce Mary, even though they were engaged. So the Lord is saying, except it be for fornication, meaning while y'all two were engaged, not married yet, and someone had an affair, someone had illicit sex, someone has sex with another person, they commit fornication. Then after you all get married and then it comes out. What? So-and-so cheated on me. And one of the concrete proofs that one has that you obviously cheated on me while we were engaged. Let's say the husband cheated, has sex with another woman. A few months later, after the marriage, you get a knock on the door. It's some woman holding a brand new baby talking about this is Bob's baby. And you're like, can't be. Me and Bob just got married. Unbeknownst to you, Bob was having this affair even while you all were dating, while y'all got engaged. Who knows what he's doing after the marriage, but it's clear Bob was still having sex with someone even while you, you two were engaged and the woman had a baby. So you call Bob to the door. Who is she and who is this baby? Bob is like, I don't know, babe. I don't know what's going on. I never seen her before in my life. And the woman is like, Bob, stop playing. Tell her who I am and tell her this is our baby. No, babe, I never seen her before. Okay, some weeks later, you all get a DNA test. Come to find out, Bob is not only a big fat liar, but he is a, te- um, he is a cheater. So... Either you can forgive, which is the best option, because again, marriage is for life. And we are going to see from 1 Corinthians 7-11 that if y'all can't reconcile and y'all get divorced anyway, well, you must remain single. So give it considerable thought before you divorce anyone. So... Let's get on to the teaching. Right. And that is why Jesus said that if someone marries you as a divorced person, you 
and your new spouse commit adultery. Why? Because your first spouse is still alive. God said, let no man put asunder. He don't care how many divorce certificates you have racked up. In his eyes, the one flesh union is still in effect and you are in fact still married. So when you marry someone else, and you sleep with that person and vice versa, the two of you commit adultery. So let's get into Matthew 19, starting at verse 1 to pull it all into context. And it came to pass that when Jesus Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. And great multitudes followed him and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Amen. See, Jesus is bringing them back to the garden of Eden, okay? Because they want to hold on to the law because Moses was giving them divorces. When Jesus come came on the world scene, he was trying to get them to understand a new way of living is coming down the pike. Yeah, Moses was giving out divorcements, but this was not always the case. Okay, so Jesus was saying in verse five, and they twain shall be one flesh. Here we are with the one flesh union. This is God's will when a man and a woman comes together in holy matrimony. Verse six, wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. That's it, folks. That's the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7. So, they said unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away. He said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, mm -mm, mm -mm, it was not so. And I say unto you, because you see, thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding me Wherever we see in the Gospels, Jesus first given what the law say, have said, he turns around and say, but I say, meaning what he's about to say will supersede the written law. Verse 9, and I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication. 
Now, I just gave y'all that whole illustration, right? If you have forgotten it, rewind and go back. And I say, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committed adultery. And whoso marry her, which is put away, do commit adultery. Now, keep in mind, when Jesus is having this conversation with these Pharisees who were always looking to trip him up with the law, right? His disciples were sitting aside listening to this whole exchange. So now Jesus was giving them food for thought because here they are in verse 10. His disciples said unto him, If the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. Because his disciples were listening to what Jesus said, Except it be for fornication. If you divorce for any other reason, any other reason, except them cheating on you while y'all were engaged, and then it came out after, you were married, then you can divorce them if y'all don't reconcile. Again, which is the best option? His disciples is saying, then why get married? Married? It's not good to get married. What if it doesn't work out? What if I want to put her away? So you mean to tell me by me doing that and it's not because of fornication and I divorce anyway? But then I commit adultery. Do you not know that the penalty for adultery was to be stoned to death under the law? Yeah. So listen, verse 11. But he said unto them, talking to his disciples, because this is a hard teaching. If you think it's hard for us today in the 21st century, it was just as hard for them then. And so Jesus said to his disciples in verse 11, but he said unto them, all men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. Jesus is telling us not everybody is going to receive this message. Why? Because people love to have sex. Mm -hmm. And everyone's and everybody knows that it is better in the eyes of God to be married in order to have sex. Now, do they follow God? No. Do they follow Jesus? No. But everybody has this basic understanding that sex is really only to be had when you are married. Even the staunchest atheist knows this. So anyway, Jesus in verse 12 was giving them even more insight to the fact that then why get married? Because this is hard because everyone knows that adultery, the penalty for that is to be stoned to death. And Jesus was saying, look, for there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb. And there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs 
of men, and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom. No, right, for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Amen. Do you know what Jesus is telling us right here? He is saying, eunuchs, some were born that way. Some were um, castrated by men for whatever penalties and judgment called for that to get cut off. Some castrated themselves on purpose because of this. He's saying that a man who will castrate himself so that he won't burn with sensual sexual pleasure that if he marries and divorces for any other reason and remarries, um, they commit adultery to get and they will be stoned. These men say, you know what? I'd rather cut it off. And follow Jesus, follow God, be in complete obedience to the law rather than burn with with passion. I rather cut it off that way. I ain't even thinking about women. I ain't even thinking about sex. All I'm thinking about is the kingdom of God. And that's why Jesus said, he that is able to receive it. Let him receive it. And many do not receive this. Amen. And then we have Luke 16, 18. That teaches that anyone who divorces their spouse and remarries, I mean, and marries another person commits adultery. And the person who marries a divorced person, he or she commits adultery. Amen. Well, then that's not fair. I've never been married before. And I met this this beautiful young lady. Just so happens she's divorced. So you mean tell me I can't marry her? And that if I do marry her, well, then I'm going to hell too. Because see, now I'm in adultery. Yes. Yes. Listen, if you are, listen. If you are serious about getting up out of here in one piece and inheriting the kingdom of God, you better pray. You better ask God for wisdom and discernment before you marry anybody. You got to do your homework. And not only that, you must be in this word. To know what Jesus taught on this topic and not what your twice married bishop told you about this teaching. They are not going to tell you that Jesus is correct. That if you commit fornication, you can divorce. But if it's for any other reason and you and you remarry anyway, you commit adultery. They are not going to teach it like this. They are going to tell you Jesus means adultery. Well, if he meant adultery, why did he say you commit adultery? Folks, take two seconds of 
the brain capacity in which our heavenly creator endowed us with. Why would Jesus say that if you, if, if you divorce for the reason of adultery and you remarry, you commit adultery. Now, does that make any sense? No, he said, except it be for fornication, that if you divorce for any other reason, you commit adultery. And the majority of what I've heard and what many others have heard, because I come from personal experience, that adultery is the the quickest way for you to divorce your spouse and be in the clear because Jesus said, except it be for sexual immorality. And they assume and misinterpret that to mean adultery. Again, if he meant adultery, then why did he say you commit adultery? Folks, listen, Romans 7, 1 through 3. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Right? For, now Paul is going to give us an example based on the law. Right? Because he just said, Know ye not, brethren, how that the law had dominion over a man as long as he lived, right? Because Paul is saying, as long as that man lives, who was living under the law, well, then the law has dominion over him as long as he is alive. Obviously, once that man dies, the law no longer obviously has dominion over him. Likewise, then he talks about this in verse two, for the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband, right? So long as he liveth, but if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives, she be married to another man. While her husband is still alive, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Amen. And this goes for men too. Because men will use this to twist and say, that's not for me. That's for the woman. No, Mm -mm. it's for you too. Oh, yes. So Paul is saying here in Romans 7, just like how the law, the law of Moses had dominion over a human being who was under the law, as long as that person is alive. Once that person dies, the law of Moses is no longer valid for that person. Why? Because the person died. Obviously. Likewise, when a woman or a man 
marries. They are under the covenant, the law of marriage. That law is still in effect, just like it was in effect over a person. That law of marriage is still in effect and have dominion as long as those two people are alive. If one of them dies, then the law of marriage is fulfilled and it is no longer valid. Just like it wasn't valid over the individual who was under the law of Moses, then that person dies. The law cannot drag a soul out of the dirt and still have dominion over them. The person is dead. Cease to be living. The law does not apply anymore. Likewise, if a person marries and that spouse is still alive, breathing God's good air, they and you are still under the covenant of marriage. Yeah, but I got a divorce. So what? Even when the people under the law got their divorce under Moses, given them because of the hardness of their heart, gave them a writing of divorcement. But what did Jesus say? This was not so from the beginning. This is a one flesh union. Even if you don't know where your first spouse is, even if your first spouse is somewhere on the other side of the earth and you don't know if they are alive or dead, well, then you better find out. You got to do some research to be sure because you don't want to walk around and say, well, I believe, I feel the person is not alive. You got to find out because you don't want to go to hell and be shocked. Come to find out that he or she were in fact still alive. I keep, I keep saying this. I feel like a parrot. If you are serious about going to heaven. You are going to work out your salvation. You are going to call and research every area of your life to make sure you are in right standing. That means even if you don't want to look into it, you better. You better. And, and I'm telling you, people are saying, well, God forgave me. Okay. Are you sure that your spouse is not breathing on this good earth somewhere? Somewhere. Because you see, Jesus said that the road to eternal life, it is straight and narrow and it's hard and few people will find it. He is telling us not a lot of people are going to go to heaven. You got to work this out. So listen. So now, to close this out, we are going to take a close look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where Paul gives us a teaching on marriage. I am going to read it straight through, 
And then we are going to look at verse 11 because verse 11 is where a lot of people have the most problem with. Because he's telling us in verse 11, if you don't reconcile back to your first covenant spouse, you must remain unmarried. Why? Because you have a spouse still in the earth somewhere. And if you, here we go again. Because if you remarry, and some people say, well, I'm only 32 years old. I'm only 23 years old. I'm only 40 years old. I still want to have kids. I like to have sex. I want companionship. Well, then you better find out if that person is still alive or not. And if they are, if you are a, a, a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and for you, sinner, y'all got a whole lot of problems to contend with. Aside from this, you need to be born again. Okay, because this sin right along with the others you have, you need to get your business straight with the Lord anyway. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Anyway, okay, I'm primarily poking this at followers because a lot of us are deceived to think that once we are forgiven of our sins, we still get to stay in it, especially in this area. So let us, let us go. I told you this is cracking open the Bible time today, because if we don't take line upon line, precept upon precept, then we are never going to get the true understanding. And a lot of people tune in after the fact. So I'm being led and prompted to constantly teach on this as well as whether or not we got to keep any of the 613 laws of Moses. So here we go. First Corinthians seven, I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible, and this is Paul's teaching on marriage. Now, as to the matters of which you wrote, it is good, beneficial, advantageous for a man not to touch a woman outside of marriage. But because of the temptation to participate in sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. The husband must fulfill his marital duty to his wife with good will and kindness and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have exclusive authority over her own body but the husband shares with her. And likewise, the husband does not have exclusive authority over his body, but the wife shares with him. Do not deprive each other of marital rights, except, except perhaps by mutual consent for a time so that you may devote yourselves unhindered to prayer, but come together again so that Satan will not tempt you to sin because of your lack of self-control. But I am saying this as, as a concession, not as a command. 
I wish that all the people were as I am. But each person has his own gift from God, one one of this kind and one of that. Amen. Paul is saying that he has the gift of celibacy, right? Verse 8, but I say to the unmarried and to the widows that as a practical matter, it is good if they remain single and entirely devoted to the Lord as I am. But if they do not have sufficient self-control, they should marry. Now he's talking to virgins and widows. They should marry for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. But to the married believers, I give instructions, not I, but the Lord, that the wife is not to separate from her husband. But even if she does leave him, let her remain single. This is verse 11. And we, we are going to talk about this in a few minutes. But even if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled back to her husband. And that the husband should not leave his wife. Amen. To the rest, I declare, I, not the Lord, since Jesus did not discuss this, that if any believing brother has a wife who does not believe in Christ and she consents to live with him, he must not leave her. And if any believing woman has an unbelieving husband and he consents to live with her, she must not leave him. Verse 14, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified. That is, he receives the blessings granted through his Christian wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be ceremonially unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But, verse 15, but, this is another exception, listen, but if the unbelieving partner leaves, let him leave. In such cases, the remaining brother or sister is not spiritually or morally bound. Paul is saying, as a believer, if your unbelieving spouse decides to divorce you, now you don't want the divorce, but they are pushing it. Fine. Let them leave. You as the brother or sister who did not want this divorce, but your unbelieving spouse wanted it and went ahead and got divorced, well, you are no longer under the marital law. Mm -mm. So you are free to remarry because you didn't want the divorce. Your unbelieving spouse chose to leave you. Okay. So now... But God has called us to peace. For 
How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband by leading him to Christ? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife by leaving her to Christ? Because even if you have an unbelieving spouse, it's still not good to divorce. And to the the unbeliever, how do you know that your spouse may not win you over to Christ? So, God, listen, God has called us to, to peace, right? If your house is full of contention because you are a believer, you love Jesus, you love the Father with everything within you, but your husband, come to find out, is an, an atheist or maybe just an unbeliever. They ain't trying to come to the Lord. And there, there is constant friction in your house. Well, God calls us to peace. So if they are bent on leaving, nothing you can say to try to convince them to stay anyway. They want to leave. Let them go. God rather have you live in peace. Okay, so now you are free to serve him because Paul was telling us as a single person is is more ideal to remain unmarried. That way you can serve the Lord without being encumbered by the necessities and the cares of being a married person because you have to think about that spouse. So anyway, verse 17, only let each one live the life which the Lord has assigned him and to which God has called him for each person is unique and is accountable for his choices and conduct. Let him walk in this way. This is the rule I make in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his calling from God already circumcised? Is he not to become uncircumcised? Has anyone been called while uncircumcised? He is not to be circumcised. He is not to be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. But what matters is keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was when he was called. Amen. Were you a slave when you were called? Do not worry about that since your status as a believer is equal to that of a freeborn believer. But if you are able to gain your freedom, do that. For he who was a slave when he was called in the Lord is a free man of the Lord. Likewise, he was free when he was called he was no likewise he who was free when he was called is a slave of Christ amen listen verse 23 I love this you were bought with a price a precious price paid by Christ do not become slaves to men but to Christ Brothers, let each one remain with God in that condition in which he was when he was called. Now concerning the virgins. 
of marriageable age. I have no command of the Lord, but I give my opinion as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think then that because of the impending distress, that is the pressure of the current trouble, it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you unmarried? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned in doing so. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned in doing so. Yet those who marry will have troubles, special challenges in this life. And I am trying to spare you that. Paul is like, listen, if you have been called to work for the Lord, if you have called to be of service to the kingdom, it is best to remain single. Not that it, not that it is anything wrong to be married, but that it comes with a lot of troubles. Okay, you can't always evangelize at all times of night. They may not want you to go to certain places. They want you to spend time with them when what you really want to do is be out into, into the fields, into Jesus' harvest, working it, tilling it. But you can't do that because you got family life. So Paul is saying that he is trying to spare us from that. But I say this, believers, the time has has been shortened so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they did not. And those who weep as though they did not weep. And those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. And those who buy as though they did not possess anything. And those who use the world taking advantage of its opportunities as though they did not make full use of it. For the outward form of this world, its present social and material nature is passing away. At the end of the day, folks, all of this marriage, all of what we are doing in this world, it is all going to pass away. But I want you to be free from concern. The unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But the married man is concerned about worldly things, how he may please his wife and his interests are divided. The unmarried woman or the virgin is concerned about the matters of the Lord, how to be holy and set apart both in body and in spirit. Amen. Folks, as an unmarried person, you have all the time, glory be to God, to serve the Lord without any problem problems. Amen. And I'm talking about problems that comes along with a marriage. Okay. Now, uh, right. Cause he says, but a married woman is concerned about worldly things, how she may please her husband. Now I say this for your own benefit, not to restrict you, but to promote what is appropriate and secured 
undistracted devotion to the Lord. Amen. So, if we, for time's sake, drop down to verse 39, okay? These last two verses. A wife is bound to her husband by the law as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry whomever she wishes. Only provided that he too is in the Lord. Amen. Widows. Believing widows. Did you hear that? You are free to remarry but that person must be in the Lord but in my opinion Paul is saying in verse 40 in my opinion a widow a widow is happier if she stays as she is and I think that I also have the spirit of God in this matter amen so in closing let us Take a look at what Paul has said in verse 11. Because as we recall, he said, go back up here, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and, and let not the husband put away his wife. So what does that mean? Because Paul is completing a thought begun in the previous verse. He is answering a statement or question about sex and marriage for Christians. Some apparently believed it was more spiritual, morally superior for Christians not to have sex nor be married. And Paul has firmly rejected this false idea, showing that marriage is good, as is sex between between married people. Perhaps some in Corinth were thinking about divorcing their spouses in a misguided attempt to become more spiritual. In the previous verse, Paul declared, it is absolutely against the Lord's will for a wife to sever her marriage from her husband. This is especially so in the context of this false idea of becoming more spiritual through celibacy. And you see, folks, this is what Paul was dealing with at the church of Corinth when it came to this issue. And this is why he devoted the whole chapter of seven on this teaching of marriage. And Paul now adds that if a woman does this or has done it, she should remain unmarried. Meaning that if she had divorced, if she had left, her husband. And again, this is not only for the women, this goes for the man too. This intent seems to be a hope that she might be reconciled to her husband by remaining unmarried. That she might be reconciled to her husband after they had been separated. Otherwise, 
Otherwise, according to Jesus' teaching in Mark 10, 12, she will be guilty of adultery when she marries another man. Jesus forbade divorce in all cases except for fornication. Or some Bibles render that sexual immorality. That does not mean adultery. Nope. So, Paul is giving us a huge insight into marriage. He is saying that because he has this gift of celibacy, that it obviously helps him in the preaching of the gospel. It helps him in the office of being an apostle where he can travel all around the earth preaching this good gospel but if you are married which is a beautiful thing let us not get marriage twisted it is beautiful but what comes with that is the cares of the relationship you can't be here there everywhere serving the lord and not keep the home fires burning okay so He's also saying that if you can't control your sexual needs, then go on and get married. It is better to be married to your first spouse than burn with passion. And here you are committing fornication. And who knows adultery if you are sleeping with someone's spouse or a divorced person. So there we have it, folks. That's pretty much in a nutshell. If you have a living spouse, even if you are not sure if that person is still living, it will be to your spiritual interest interest to find out for a fact. Even if you got to pull up death records or maybe contact that person's family. Now I know in a lot of cases that may be difficult. Who knows? Maybe your new spouse may not have even known you were married before. So you, you entered into that marriage under deceit. Causing your spouse to stumble because he or she is under the impression you've never been married before. So you got a whole nother problem to contend with. No liar will inherit God's kingdom. Their place will be in the lake of fire. So folks, I, I don't need to over massage this message. Jesus did not say, if you, if you divorce because of adultery, you are free and clear to marry. No, he did not say that. What he said is clear. And that is why he said a lot of people are not going to receive this. Because of humanism. Humanism wants what they want. And they come up with their own reasonings. And sad to say, a mangling of the scriptures and what makes it even more damnable is that you have these so-called church leaders 
co-signing this nonsense. Why? For the most part, they too are on their second and third and fourth remarriages themselves. So, of course, they are not going to tell you you are in sin because they too are in sin. Folks, it is a hot mess. But at the end of the day, at the end of all days, God will judge us in righteousness according to his righteousness. And Jesus will what he says over here in Jeremiah 17, 10, he will give to every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Amen. Folks, listen, you have to make a decision for Christ. That's it. And pray to him and ask him. To give you a way out because you love him more than you love anybody else. People are staying in these remarriages for convenience and comfort. It is comfortable to stay with a person you have been with for over 20, 30, 40, 50 years. You you are now up in age. And to have to start over, you ain't even trying to do that. Okay, well then... I'm here to tell you, you are not serious about going to heaven. Jesus said, in order to be his follower, you must pick up your cross. Deny, deny, deny yourself and come and follow him. Because otherwise, you ain't worthy. Yeah, I know you do good works. I know you love the Lord. Well, then if you love him, then you will obey him. And you would heed to his teachings. That's all I'm saying. Glory be to God. Father. Lord Jesus was right. This is a hard saying. And those. Who receive it. Will be blessed. Hard decisions. Need to be made. What. What should keep it all. In focus. Jesus told us we cannot love anyone more than we love him and that we are to love you, Father, not our spouses, not our kids, not anyone else, but love you with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul and with all our strength. We are to love you like that, not this spouse that I have remarried. I should not love him more than I love you. I should not love her more than I love Jesus. We got to be so serious, Father, about our salvation. And we cannot continue to trample over the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We were bought with a huge precious price. His shed blood. It is a it is an affront to you, Father, because I know it is. For us to willfully stay in sin and still call ourselves a follower of the Le- of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the Holy Spirit convict all of us if we stay 
with this foolish way of thinking. You, I know you, Father. I know you by your grace. You do not tolerate sin on any level. If a person repents and has received forgiveness, you must come out of that sin. You don't get to stay in it just because you received forgiveness. Because if that's the case, then we all get to stay in our sins. You, you cannot be the only one that still gets to enjoy the pleasures of the flesh. And we all got to put it under. Is that fair? You are a stumbling block to the body of Christ. You must come out of that sin and stop playing in it. God is serious. He is serious about salvation and redemption. You cannot take his grace as a license to sin because you are too lazy to heed to the teachings of Jesus. You must come out of that sin. Be holy. Be holy. Thus saith the Lord. Be holy. Live clean. I am coming back. And my reward will be with me and I will give to every person according to their wicked ways. I am coming back to this earth. And if you are found wanting, you will stand in my judgment and I will have no mercy. I will take no pity on those who trampled over my blood. I laid down my life for you. You don't get to tell me it is impossible to stop sinning. When they stretched me on that cross, I set my face as flint to die for your sins. You don't get to be unholy, not under my blood, you don't. You don't get to be unholy. You must repent. I am coming back. Don't be found wanting. I am serious. I will deal with my enemies. May all of my messengers continue to preach on this topic. It is not the Father's will that anyone shall perish, but they will perish. They will perish. If they don't heed to my warnings, they will perish. Thus saith the Lord. Glory be to God. There you have it. Holy Spirit just took over. That's the word of the Lord. And it will do us all well to heed to the voice of the living God. guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.